Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Valentine's Day edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, the creator of Skewed and Reviewed. You can catch us online at sknr.net, and we cover movies, games, hardware, television, conventions, entertainment, and all things pop culture. And, of course, you definitely want to make sure to check out all the video game content we have. The um, other outlets you can catch us on is Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed. That's a network of 12 newspapers that we contribute game reviews and content for. We have Skewed and Reviewed the magazine, and we're going to have the latest issue out in late March, and I'll uh, get into why it's about a week or so later than usual in a moment. And then, of course, BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KISWFM. Very happy that on Friday, the show, uh, the station, I should say, not the show, uh, celebrated its 50th anniversary, and it's very nice to uh, be part of the top-rated show in the Northwest, and it has been for many years going syndicated, so you can check that out. And I'm joined, as always, with Justin and Michael, and we've got uh, some convention news for you today, and we've got a little bit of uh, really good entertainment news, so really nice to be able to... um, talk about some things in a little more positive light uh, than usual, other than the, this is canceled, this is canceled, this is not happening, we don't know about this. It's nice to hear that things, um, while not back to normal by a long shot, knock on wood, appear to be trending in a positive direction. And the first off the block was the rumors that Disneyland, while they cannot open the park yet, um, will be doing what is being referred to online as a paid event. Now, I need to be very clear. There has been no official word from Disney on this, but numerous outlets from the, like the Orange County Register and the local media in the area, as well as various uh, Disney fan sites, news sites, have reported that there will be some kind of, as they refer to it, paid or in this case a ticketed event now some people believe it might be a taste event similar to what knott's Berry farm does uh we've been told there won't be rides there won't be parades but there will be some form of entertainment so you know this is course has speculation running wild are they going to allow a few thousand people into california adventure mass spaced out fire up the world of color and do a little bit of water and light show um You know, are they going to have some kind of how the entertainment is going to be done? Who knows? Is it going to be performers up on a stage? Uh, Any number of things is possible. So we'll have to wait and see. But as of now, there is still no information on that. Uh, Just only rumor we heard was that it uh, was supposed to begin in mid-March. Now, we do know for a fact that Knott's Berry Farm is going to uh, kick off the Taste of Boysenberry Festival. Traditionally, the Boysenberry Festival goes on. It's a very popular event. Um, You know, anybody that's followed Nantz knows the park was originally a Boysenberry farm back in the day. And uh, during the Depression, Walter and Cadelia Nantz, she began selling chicken dinners actually on her wedding china as a way to help out while uh, Walt uh, did the farming. And it became so popular, there became very long lines uh, to get into the restaurant. The idea came up to put a ghost town together to give people something to see and entertain them 
while they waited for their turn in the restaurant, which in turn grew into the theme park. And a lot of people aren't aware, but Knott's actually opened uh, before Disneyland. But, um, you know, long story about it, uh, the two Walters were friends. Uh, Walt actually was, uh, Disney was shown things like the famous uh, mine, Calico Mine Ride and the um, log ride at Knott's Berry Farm before they opened. A lot of people say that, uh, you know, the, the two of them talked about it, and this gave Walt ideas for some of his in the dark rides, like Pirates of the Caribbean, so on and so forth. So really interesting history between the two parks. And what Knott's is doing is they are doing the Taste of Boysenberry Festival. So this runs on select dates from March 5th to May 2nd. Traditionally, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but as they did with prior taste, they had the Boysenberry Festival, they had one for fall, they had one for Christmas, which we were going to, and that was um, shut down a week before we went uh, due to the rising outbreaks. And so they've been given the all clear to resume events, and uh, so very excited about this. As popularity increased, since it is a limited demand, uh, limited capacity ticketed event, they um, require you to have a punch card. So currently, right now, the punch cards are only available for season pass holders. But later this week on um, February 16th, they're going to open it up to the general public. So essentially what happens is you get five tastes for $40.50 for a pass holder, $45 for non-pass holders. If you want to buy regular food in there, you can do that. Um, they have certain things open. If you want to buy additional taste, you can do that. You have to be specific on the day that you go. You do get in and out privileges, but because they are required to keep the capacity to a limited amount due to the health and safety regulations, uh, you have to say you can't just buy a pass and decide when to show up. You have to say, I am coming on this date. And, it's, you know, 65 various um taste everything from boysenberry wine to beer and cheese soup to churros ice cream empanadas a latte uh you know all sorts of things are available and uh that we we went to one we went to the boysenberry festival in years past when the park was actually open for rides and it's a lot of fun i remember my wife really enjoyed they had these steak bites with fingerling potatoes which were phenomenal and you can just get as much as you want or you can you know fill up you can come in have a couple of things go out come back in later today it's completely up to you no rides will be uh, happening during this time but there are um i know for the halloween events there's been some um they had like people up on the balconies in the uh ghost town and stuff like that so um there it is. You can at least still go. They, I know for Halloween and Christmas, they had a lot of decorations and lights up so you could go. And um, certain things that are really happy, uh, there's no charge for parking. Um, you can, uh, the shops will be, there will be some shops and local vendors inside the park. And uh, the shops outside, like Mrs. Knott's Chicken Restaurant, will be there. You can do carryout, or I believe they have uh, outside dining now. The hotel's open, so a lot of good options there. All right, gentlemen, so let's talk about something happy. We have uh, BlizzCon uh, starting up this coming weekend, February 19th and 20th. Opening ceremonies will be uh, 2 o'clock Pacific time 
next Friday. And that's when we get to hear about where Blizzard is with everything, what the state of uh, pending releases is going to be. There are various panels, everything from what's uh, next in the world of Warcraft, behind the scenes of Overwatch 2, things on StarCraft. There are um, question and answers for Hearthstone and Warcraft and Diablo and community showcases and just so much more. We hear about the cosplay that's going to be going on. And so why don't we start off with Justin? Why don't you tell us what are you thinking? Yeah, so um, I've been um, a Blizzard fan for uh, almost my entire life. Um, Warcraft 2 is like one of the earliest game video game memories I have of a video game I've, I played um, just from early on in my childhood. So there's a special place in my heart for Warcraft 2, Warcraft 3, Starcraft, Diablo, Diablo 2, um, you know, into Diablo 3, Starcraft 2. Um, I never really got into the, the MMOs, just well, uh, MMOs are just not really, really my thing. But, um, you know, I, I pay attention to BlizzCon uh, every year. And, you know, as, as you know, like, BlizzCon generally is around, like, the August time frame, I believe. So they didn't do it last year. Um, obviously for COVID reasons, I, I think it's a very big portion of it. Uh, they just probably didn't have enough time to sort of plan. Um, it's usually in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think, um, yeah, so some, some around October. Um, but I, I think, you know, COVID probably played a big portion of it. Um, but also, you know, they had a couple rough, um, BlizzCons from, uh, you know, the, uh, sort of negative backlash to, uh, Diablo Immortal, um, and it seemed like there's kind of been a little bit of shakiness um, from uh, on part of Blizzard because of you know some of the negative reactions to their products recently. So I, I think that also played a played a role in um, them delaying BlizzCon. Uh, so we're getting BlizzCon now uh, a little bit later. Um, I'm, if I had to make a prediction, I'm almost certain, um, uh, actually I am, I'm, I'd give it like a 90, uh, over 90% chance that we're going to see something Diablo 4 related. I think it's absolute, uh, almost certainty because of things that, you know, they've said about it. They may have even outright absolute, uh, absolutely confirmed that Diablo 4 will be there in some regard. My guess is we'll probably see... Uh, a new character, probably a trailer, a story trailer, maybe some gameplay, some new environments. Um, but uh, I think like we said last week, I don't think Diablo 4 is coming out this year. Um, I would be absolutely shocked if it was. Um, but uh, we'll at least see some some new content for Diablo 4. Um, I think their big headliner game this year is going to be a remake of Diablo 2 some sort of either remake or remaster I think that is in the cards there's so many rumors about it there has been so many rumors about it um and a lot of fans have been clamoring for it uh, my one hope is they don't take I, I think as long as they take the as long as they took some um positive feedback from how the Warcraft 3 remaster went which I think was a good, ambitious project. Um, you know, I was a huge fan of Warcraft 3, and, you know, the lead-up to that Reforged game, 
uh, I was actually looking forward to it quite a bit. I thought, you know, them going through and not just, you know, there, there's a lot of ways you can approach a, a remaster to a game. Um, you could outright remake it, something like Resident Evil 2. It's like a totally different game. Or, you know, there's even just as simple as, you know, we took the original game and we just upped the, the resolution, uh, made it run on modern monitors, you know, gave it 60 frames per second, maybe give, you know, some quality of life changes. But um, ostensibly the the core experience is the exact same. Uh, Reforged was a little bit more ambitious. They actually went through and um, made new textures and models for all of the units, uh, try to, you know, basically up the visuals, you know, redo the in-game cinematics. Um, it was pretty ambitious. Uh, it was just the execution was uh, was fairly poor, uh, unfortunately. Um, so I, I hope they have, I hope they approach Diablo 2 remaster slash remake with, with, with the same ambition, but I do hope that they, um, they took some positive messages uh, as to how to approach that kind of thing from, from the native reaction of Reforged. But, um, I would say that those are probably the two big headliners. There will probably be something World of Warcraft related. There always is, um, you know, they'll probably show Diablo Immortal, um, you know, StarCraft, I, I think they're sort of done with, with StarCraft uh, as a um, as an IP, I think. Uh, you know, they might have some, some information some about a patch or something for StarCraft 2, but uh, I have not heard any rumblings about, you know, any sort of new StarCraft game. That, that would be very shocking if they, you know, announced something new StarCraft related. Um, you know, and then there's, of course, there's uh, Overwatch. Um, we'll probably see something Overwatch 2 related, but again, that game is also not coming out this year. Um, and that, I think that's probably what we can expect, you know, just news on, on the games that aren't coming out this year. And then probably a big announcement for Diablo 2 Remake is probably going to be like the, the big thing that they try to release at the end of the year. So, uh, as you were saying, BlizzCon 2019 was November 1st through 2nd. 2019 so yeah it's it's been a while and fans are eager michael what do you think uh yeah so you know i think one of the things that's interesting about blizzcon this year and i think it's going to be really difficult for them to change it in the future is the virtual aspect being free right that's the one thing we haven't really touched on is that in the past blizzcon had their in-person event but they also had the paid virtual event where people had to pay to attend um, and, and I think there's always been a bit of backlash against that. Uh, I think because the idea is that, you know, it, most people want to go in person. They can understand that. But paying for a virtual event, you know, we in the past we've seen E3 has done their, their showcases virtually. Sony has done their showcases virtually. Nintendo, you know, that sort of thing. And those have always been kind of, you know, streamed live or at least available on YouTube to watch. Uh, and so I think there's always been, and I mean, for me personally, you know, I, for BlizzCon, I, I wasn't in the camp that I was willing to pay for a virtual event when I could just simply wait for the news to leak out um, about, you know, what was being shown off and, and what was being, you know, presented. Uh, and again, maybe it's just because I, I, I just didn't have the interest in, in, you know, sticking around for a virtual event. And, you know, if I were to pay for one, I think I'd have been forced to be more uh, involved with the virtual event. So I, I think this year they did the right thing since they've gone virtual instead of having a, a paid premium for people to attend. They're allowing it to be open to the public with various channels that people are going to be able to go and, and see it. So I think that's 
that's good. I just wonder if there is a plan to go back to the previous model. I mean, obviously the plan I would hope is to go back to an in-person BlizzCon event. Uh, I think BlizzCon is a, is a bit different than something like E3, for example, where it, it focuses more on, you know, BlizzCon focuses a lot more on cosplay, a lot more, um, you know, fan service and fan interaction. Uh, not to say that E3 doesn't have some elements of that, but E3 has always been more of a, a technical showcase for, you know, media, and yes, they allow people from the public in, but that was never its purpose. It was always a trade show first and foremost, and a fan service second. Um, BlizzCon has always been more of a fan service, uh, and again, that's where you see a lot more of the people dressing up and the, that kind of experience. So I think it definitely uh, a lot, kind of, you know, much like a, a, like a Comic-Con, it, it kind of directs itself more towards the fans. So I, I do hope and, and expect that there will be a BlizzCon in person going forward. I just wonder if they could ever go back to a paid virtual experience. I just, I think once you, once you open that box, that Pandora's box of allowing free content, uh, it kind of negates some of the um, reasons why you had a paid virtual experience in the first place. So that's one thing I'll be interested to see how that changes the future of BlizzCon going forward. I mean, from, from a game perspective, I, I certainly think we'll see more Diablo 4. Uh, I almost wonder if the reason they're doing this earlier in the year instead of later in the year is maybe they've come further and they want that to be shown off before leaks start to appear. Now, I don't think it's necessarily going to be released this year, um, but I do think that something will likely be coming this year towards the end of summer, early fall, which is why we're pushing forward with BlizzCon sooner rather than later. Because let's not forget, if we had, they had planned for a in-person event in October, November, the likelihood that they could have had that this year is, is probably pretty good. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about other events that are are being pushed out towards the end of August, CinemaCon being one of those, with the anticipation that there will be an opportunity to have in person. Now, will it be a full, um, huge event? Not necessarily, but there's this expectation that they could have much smaller events in person. So it does kind of make me wonder, are we going to see something like maybe a Diablo two remaster event that's coming out going to be released in august or is there a lot more from you know diablo 4 that they just didn't want to hold on to because the risk of it being leaked is much higher i think all of those are, are realistic things obviously we'll likely see some stuff with overwatch 2 although the way with overwatch is going and, and the popularity much like world of warcraft i don't know if there's a huge clamoring for an overwatch 2 uh, considering they still do the season releases, they still do character updates, they still do a lot of stuff. So I don't think that's going to be, I don't think the fans are clamoring for that as much as as something like a Diablo 4. And maybe I'm wrong, but, but I, I think there's enough content in Overwatch to keep the fans satisfied for a while. So it'll be really interesting to see um, if there was a reason why they pushed the date earlier. Um, or if they just wanted to get stuff in that they had initially planned to show off back in, you know, October, November, and they don't want to wait another whole year for those releases. I mean, that that would certainly make sense. But, yeah, I think the virtual um, show will be a good opportunity to kind of show off what they they have in the works, what we can kind of see and expect for 2021, and hopefully get some better sneak previews of what's coming. Those are excellent points, and I think the whole situation is, as you said, control the information get people excited as we still don't know what the rest of the year 
is looking like. Now, it, it's very interesting because uh, there has been obviously a few things happening. Um, you know him, Michael. You've met Mark. We've covered CES together and so on and so forth. And Mark is uh, one of my brothers-in-law. He lives in Las Vegas, and he works uh, with the casino and entertainment industry when he's not uh, doing um, things for us. Now, he told me just the other day, um, they're saying that the governor is pushing Vegas hotels to go to 35% capacity, lifting reservations on restaurants and bars to 50% capacity, and the same for gyms, churches, etc. And so, you know, he was talking essentially to me about where he's still waiting to get his vaccine dose, his wife who works in the medical field has had her doses, that sort of thing. But he says, you can tell from that, they're kind of pushing again to open up more to start getting back to a sense of normal. Now, of course, they're doing this, uh, you know, in keeping with the guidelines and that sort of thing. But I did a little bit of research and it, it's very interesting when you see, now we did see this last year where companies would give dates and then they would also have a fallback date. So a lot of them would essentially say, okay, well, um, yeah, this is fine. I'm going to have a, um, a date, then we'll have a fallback date. And then lo and behold, it had to cancel. For example, Creation Entertainment, who do the Star Trek shows, uh, all supernatural, weekend of horrors, so on and so forth. They are um, going ahead with the 55-year massive um, Star Trek convention at the Las Vegas Rio. Now, originally, that was pushed back last year to a lot of people thought it was going to go to December. They're going to go and take a shot on it on August 11th through the 15th. Now, I got word the other day of a company called Days of the Dead, and they do various horror conventions around the country. They are listing a show in Las Vegas May 14th through 16th, and they actually have some uh, pretty impressive guests scheduled and that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how that plays out. But what you are seeing, though, is you are seeing companies start to say, you know what, uh, I think May or June, we might be able to pull these things off might not be able to do the capacity that we did in the past. We've talked about this for ages. And uh, we had news this week, as we expected, WonderCon is not holding in person simply because we all thought end of March was just going to be too ambitious, especially under California's strict guidelines. So they had an announcement made this week, and let me go ahead and read this to you. Uh, 2020 was a difficult year all around. For the first time in, our, in the history of our organization, we were unable to have in-person events for WonderCon or Comic-Con. We have hoped that by now the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic might have subsided enough that we could once again come together in person for a traditional WonderCon event. Sadly, as we continue to monitor the latest information from healthcare officials, we have determined the interest of public safety will prevent this spring's WonderCon from moving forward as an in-person convention. Our commitment to the community of fans who enjoy WonderCon and the celebration of comics and related popular art remains an important part of who we are. It is because of that dedication that we are happy to announce that WonderCon will again be held as a virtual WonderCon at home. The challenges of this past year and the postponement of our two largest events 
have left us with limited financial resources. Therefore, WonderCon at Home will be a two-day celebration instead of the usual three days as we continue to marshal our resources for Comic-Con this summer. We may be limited in days, but we will not be limited in scope. We are currently in the process of lining up great programming, amazing exhibitors, terrific gaming, and all of the many aspects that make WonderCon a fan favorite. We sincerely hope that you will join us for the WonderCon at Home celebration Friday and Saturday, March 26th and 27th. We'd like to thank everyone for your continued support as we anxiously look forward to a time when we can once again meet in person to celebrate comics, popular art, and spend time with our community of fans. Michael, what do you make of this? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a surprise. I mean, it's way too ambitious right now to try to do anything pre-summer. I mean, that's going to be true for any event. Even mid to post-summer is going to be iffy for a full-capacity type event. Uh, just because, you know, we, we know the vaccine rollouts are going to take time. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. Uh, and, you know, there's only so much folks can do uh, from a planning perspective if they don't know when things are going to be freeing up. So in order to plan for something like WonderCon, an event that's huge and requires a lot of guest planning, um, you know, place, being able to plan a location and plan for a certain amount of people, uh, you know, that, that sort of planning goes, starts taking place long before um, now. I mean, that, that would have been, you know, mid to late last year uh, to try to get something in the books for March. And I think they, they were hopeful that that would happen, but I think realistically everybody knew that the plan was that was going to be a virtual event. So I don't think that's a surprise at all. Uh, I think that's going to be true going forward for any events that are expected until, again, midsummer. We might be in a pretty good place to start doing that. You know, we've even heard from the CDC and, and you know, doctors and stuff that even with vaccines, there's still going to be a requirement for masks and they're still going to recommend social distancing and, and a lot of other things that are going to be a requirement until they can understand the effects of the vaccine and make sure everybody is who wants one is able to get one and that sort of thing. So I think all of that's going to be in play at least through the beginning to mid, you know, midsummer, late summer. Uh, so I think a lot of these events are going to still have to be kind of in these hybrid modes until uh, until a time where we can actually say that things are you know safe to go forward. And, and again, I, I realistically think until we're going to see a lot of these types of things until 2022, where you know, hopefully we'll all be in a better place with this kind of thing. So, yeah, March, I think, was entirely too ambitious. I think anything before June or July even is going to be ambitious to go in person. And even when the, even for events that do go in person in you know midsummer, those are going to be at a highly reduced capacity. At, you know, I'm thinking, you know, 30 percent, 40 percent capacity, even with people, everybody has the vaccine. So I think you know it's going to be another year, at least for a while, for the next couple of months, where we're going to be seeing a lot of these events still going digital, still going virtual, until we can get really a good understanding of where, where we where we stand. Uh, with everything, you know, vaccine-wise and, and how effective it is. And, 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 you know, we still have to deal with, you know, variants of the virus and that kind of thing that are coming out. So, yeah, I think this is, was expected. I don't think anybody's surprised by this. And I think it'll be kind of interesting to see where, where we're at in a couple of months, you know, when we get past these things. And, Justin, your take, please. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's uh, – I think Michael pretty much nails it there. Um, I think that this is just – going to be what conventions have to go through for the foreseeable future until you know you know thankfully you know if you actually look at the the numbers are going down pretty much everywhere um which is great 
that's uh, that is a, that is definitely good news. But you know, still we're we're still kind of in the thick of it, and we're probably going to be for for a while. And you know, for conventions, uh, because just the nature of them and so many people in one spot. Um, I, I think that this is just going to be normal probably for until the, the next cycle of conventions. So probably through most of this year, uh, just to be safe, they're probably going to have to be um, virtual. Um, but, you know, they're doing they're basically they're doing what they can. Um, uh, like Michael said, uh, you know, uh, March was way, way too ambitious, um, which it's really more more unfortunate for. The conventions that are earlier in the year um you know there's possibility that conventions way at the end of the year you know they're probably kind of waiting to see how the summer goes uh but even then you know you have to actually plan them out like you can't just put it together in the course of a couple weeks and then and then execute it um they have to be planned months in advance they have to get the venue set up to basically line everybody up who's going to be there uh you know do ticketing and things so um, so even the conventions that are towards the end of the year, um, they can't really plan them because they don't know what the year is going to look like. Um, you know, optimistically, yeah, we, we could be, you know, we, we could safely maybe do conventions towards the end of the year, but, but again, they have to plan them much further in advance. So I'm guessing that, uh, this is just going to be normal for a while, uh, until probably the next cycle. Um, if, you know that is if everything goes well hopefully there's not you know some new strain that comes out that's much more infectious and resistant to vaccination or anything like that but um it, it is looking positive we're i think we're kind of in the right direction uh we are getting a little bit closer to to normal and i i pretty optimistic that maybe sometime you know in the next cycle then the next WonderCon will probably be in person I think what's going on right now is that you have a more concentrated effort as well with the vaccines to educate and, um, you know, inoculate people. And, you know, it, it, it's showing, um, it's showing good signs. Things are trending down. And I think the concern is that we had issues last year where things started to trend down, they loosened the restrictions and then all hell broke loose again. And that I think is the concern. And that gets back to what Michael had said is that's when we're going to find out, uh, you know, let's make sure everything is really as effective as we are led it to be. And it's funny because I was looking at that WonderCon, and I don't mean funny in a bad way, but very clearly, uh, it says here, and this is something we've talked about for a while, it says, um, we continue to marshal our resources for Comic-Con this summer. There are people that have told me, oh, no, it can't happen because they're using the convention center for um, homeless shelters and that sort of thing. And, you know, I come back with, well, how do we know that they aren't going to try a hybrid event where they say, you know, we're going to cut down on the number of people in person. Maybe we'll spread it out around the town. Maybe we'll have more stuff like Petco Park could be uh, opened up to an open air stage and presentations. Uh, they certainly have good weather there in the summer. I mean, Michael, you know the layout of how Comic-Con is, is set. You know how they have those stage presentations out in Petco Park's parking lot and at the park next to the convention center. You know, and my thought is, 
if you were reducing capacity, there are ways that you could, you know, make a bunch of smaller stages, do outdoor events. There are ways you could do it in, in conjunction. But again, it comes down to where are the numbers and will the local authorities um, let them do this? And to me, I always draw the parallel because people, of course, this is a topic that comes up all the time on the radio shows, depending on what part of the country you're talking to, you get different answers. And I always equate this as the pro sports in Las Vegas. There was for many years people saying, oh, when are pro sports going to come to Las Vegas? And then you got the well, you can't because of the gambling and you've got a transitional population. There's not enough year round population there. And then you had the other side saying, well, of course there is. Look how many people there are, so on and so forth. And, you know, people would come from Arizona. People would come from Utah. People would come from California, la, 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 on and on and on. And to me, it was this very tricky little dance that everyone did until the NHL finally said, OK, well, that's it. We're going in. And the moment they went in, it didn't take long before the NFL said, oh, okay, we're here. And you hear uh, talk about a new baseball stadium, possibly for the Oakland A's, being built in the Las Vegas area. And we hear talk about, well, you know, the NBA is eventually going to expand and Seattle's going to get a team back. But would Vegas get a team? They already have an arena, which is the very nice place where the hockey team plays. My point is... It's, it's that little dance that nobody wants to be first because of the scrutiny, but eventually someone does it and the floodgates open. We go back to last year when um, Reed Pop went ahead with C2E2, went ahead with PAX East, um, right as things were starting to get bad, conventions were being shut down. They were planning on going ahead with Emerald City Comic Con, and there you have it. Now... I circle back to them because uh, Emerald City Comic Con has announced dates. Instead of being their usual eight March, April, they're going to be December 2nd through 5th. So they basically said, let's just go as late as we possibly can. We should be fine. PAX West is going to resume September 3rd through 6th. And again, this is all contingent upon the local authorities uh, giving them the okay in Arizona, we still have Phoenix Fan Fusion set for May 28th through 30th. We have not seen any updates about that. And it's interesting because news came out this week that E3, who did not take part in anything last year. A lot of people say, well, there were a lot of virtual uh, game things last summer. Right, but they were not done by E3. E3 has already come out, have not made an official announcement because they need the ESA to fully sign off on it, but apparently they've made it pretty clear that their intention is while they were looking at doing, at moving to a more festival thing for fans and media, that they are going to move to a virtual thing for um, this year, which of course um, they would be organizing it rather than just standing back and letting everyone do their own thing. They're going to try to get everyone together do that. So if you look at the numbers again, that's June. And so once again, at least on my cheat sheet, we're looking at is Comic-Con going to be able to go in July? If they can't, will CinemaCon be able to go in August in Vegas as um, anticipated? And if they are, 
will PAX be able to go? I do think PAX is potentially going to be a hybrid show because they've already mentioned that if you can't get a ticket, you'll be able to watch online, that sort of thing. So, Michael, why don't you start us up? Take, uh, yeah, and take again, out the crystal ball. Who's going to be the first to dip their toe in the water? CinemaCon, I think, is going to be the first. I, I think SDCC is going to have some event. I, I don't think they're going to be able to do the full-on SDCC that you and I have been to and know, right? I mean, just uh, I, I think if, if SDCC does go, I think it's going to, the shopping experience is going to either be virtual or completely slimmed down because that's always a madhouse with people packed together and, and that sort of thing. And they would have to really either cut down the number of vendors they allowed for that kind of experience. Or again, I, I think that will go virtual completely. I, I think they'll do similar to what they did for this past year. Uh, I think they could potentially have some uh, events, um, you know, outdoors or, or a very scaled down event um, for that. But I just don't, I don't see that from, uh, from the, uh, from what what we if they have the event at all it'll be a very significantly um slimmed down event uh for everybody else i just i just don't see that being a an event that can 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 go to the level that they would want it to go to to make it the same experience that we would have seen in the past um honestly uh cinemacon's a little bit different because cinemacon is uh industry and um media only there, there are no. Um, they don't allow for any uh, non-industry veterans or, or I'm mean, sorry, non-industry or any um, non-media folks to attend. I think, sadly, that that event will be significantly smaller, not because of restrictions, but because of the fact that I think a lot of um, cinema owners who are the bread and butter, a lot of these folks that go to these events are. Yes, they do have the AMC's, the Harkins. Um, the Cinemarks, they do have these huge, huge groups. But a lot of the people that attend these events are small mom-and-pop owners. Uh, I remember I, I was at a lunch for uh, Amazon Films or, or one of those, and I was at a table with... Yeah, I was at, I was at a table with um, an owner of a theater, and she and her husband owned ice screens in a small town. Um, so most of the people that attend these are not big conglomerates. They're much smaller mom and pop owners. And realistically, I just don't know that there's going to be the funds involved for these people uh, with given that a lot of them are going to be struggling with the lack of movies going in. You know, I'm not saying they necessarily were closed, but a lot of these folks are not going to have to want to spend the money to attend an event like this because it's expensive. I mean, it's we're talking, I think, ten thousand dollars to attend or something like that. It's not a, it's not free for these owners. You mean as an exhibitor, of course. No, as an attendee. Attendees pay a ton. Attendees pay a ton of money to go. Um, so yeah, it's not free. This is not a free event for people um, to attend, other than you know media that kind of thing. So it's 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 going to be an expensive thing. So I think CinemaCon will likely be the first in-person event, but it won't be an in-person event for fans of movies. It won't be an in-person event for um, non-industry people. Uh, so so I think there will be a, an artificial limitation on that. I, I think it, plus it's a smaller event overall. So the, that'll be, I think, the fir- one of the first ones that we hear about going in-person. 
And it's going to be at the end of August, right? It's August 23rd through the 25th, 26th, something like that. Um, so, but, but from a fan event, I think it's going to be one of these things where there will be a, um, it'll be really difficult to put things on until end of summer, early fall. And I think even those are going to be limited and we'll have to see who's going to be the first to, to make that jump. Maybe it'll be a PAX kind of thing. Um, Phoenix Fan Fusion um, will likely be pushed, I think, until September as well. Although I don't think we've heard anything official on that either. Um, SDCC, again, if they do go in person, we'll have to see what that experience is. But I think over the next couple of months, we'll, we'll start getting a better picture of these things. And again, sadly, it's not, I mean, everybody could be vaccinated and things will be gone in June. But the problem is you can't, you have to plan these things. It's not something they can throw together in a month and have an event, right? I mean, SCCC starts their planning, I think, the day after the show ends, right, for the next year. I know yeah. Fan Fusion is very they similar. They usually take sense. a few, most, most conventions have told me they usually take a few days off just to recoup and, you know, whew. And then within a week or two, they're right back to planning the next show. Exactly. So, yeah, so I think that's, I think that's going to be the real trick is, is, you know, it's not just how things are in, in May or April or June. It's how much planning can they get done in that time and what are they planning for? So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm really curious. That, I think to me, WonderCon wasn't a surprise. SDCC, E3 in a sense, wasn't a surprise either um, that, they, that, they could prob that they're probably going to go virtual. But SDCC to me will be the key. What, what are they going to do? How do they run it? And, and I think they're going to be the, the I think they're going to be one of the first to really set the bar as to what we can expect for this year. So I'm excited. I'm interested to see where we go when it gets to that point. And Justin, your take, please. No, I think that's uh, completely right. I think that uh, makes a lot of sense to me, given that um, it's like later in the year. It's a smaller event. I mean, and the other thing, too, is that they don't have to hold the event exactly the same way they always have held it. Um, know they could just for safety reasons make it even smaller than it normally is but you know i do i do think that is completely right i think that uh makes sense to me and i i think that CinemaCon will probably be the first one as well i look at it like this um obviously we've talked about someone's going to dip the toe um there were things in florida like little small comic gatherings and stuff like that that happened because they they you know let's not get overly political but they have been much more lax on um you know what they allow compared to other areas and i think for me you may see something big just say the heck with it we're going ahead but we also have to look at it as a um you know as a a stepping stone, as it were. Um, the numbers, as we said, are dropping. More and more people are getting vaccinated. That's a good sign. Um, you have to look at it, I think, in terms of overall entertainment. And for me, the thing that we are, I think, waiting on is movies. And people say, well, that's kind of silly. You know, movies are open right now. And I'm, I'm saying, no. Look at your average movie theater. You've got smaller theaters, 150 seats. Some of the bigger ones go up to 500. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, you've got, you know, multiplexes with 225, 250 seat auditoriums. When you can start putting about half to three quarters in those things, that's when you know you're on the way. When you have studios like Disney who've said, 
they still plan to put movies like Black Widow out. You'll be on the way. You have something like Raya and the Last Dragon, which is due to come out fairly soon. They're going to do a theatrical release and a hybrid um, paywall on Disney+. Plus. Godzilla versus Kong, things like that. If you see people saying, hey, you know what? I'm okay with putting on my mask and going to the movie theater now. I wasn't willing to do that for Tenet. I've had the vaccine. I think I'm willing to go and try that now. That, I think, you will see a trickle-down event because when you see people coming back to the movie theaters and people go online and they're all over the convention on the, the board saying, I can't wait, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go. The fact is, there will be a segment of the population that says, you know what, I'm not sure if I'm quite ready to go back to a 30, 40, 50,000, 60,000 person capacity. But if you see them say, hey, you know what, I'm okay with being one of 100, 200 people in a movie theater to see a movie again, that's a step in the right direction. Because when you see that, you will see the next thing, which to me is concerts. When you start seeing plays and concerts where you're going to 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, 17,000 people, when you start seeing those again, and I'm pretty sure a big chunk of the initial ones will be outside. But when you start seeing that, that's when I think you'll get the idea. When people start attending 10, 15,000 events, that's when someone's going to take the leap and say, hey, you know what? Um, 15 to 30,000, let's just split the difference and call it 22,000 capacity done. And then once they pull off a couple of these things, once you don't have contact tracing outbreaks and stuff like that, I think that'll the floodgates will open. And I, I do think, I mean, you look at look at Vegas. We talked about them moving ahead. Everything I've heard is that they've been told by every metric they have currently, there should be no reason they cannot have CES 2022 in person as they did. That's what they're moving ahead on. So, you know, baby steps. But it all comes down to consumer confidence and who's going to be the first. And I personally think might be me, but I think you might see conventions um, kind of wait and see and wait to see what happens with the movie theaters. You know, do we have a summer movie season? Do we have a spring movie season? Um, you know, do we see movies actually make more than $2 million in a weekend at the box office again? And there we go. So uh, anybody else have anything else they wanted to add to the discussion? Nope, that should just about cover it. Yeah, All right. All right, folks. Well, that is going to do it. I hope you have a very safe and happy uh, Valentine's Day. I hope you, for those who have the day off tomorrow, that you enjoy it. And until next week, take care, and we will talk to you soon.